Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. I mean, here I am, me and my camera. It's so exciting. I'm really looking forward to preaching this morning, and we've been talking about pivot, and this is where we start to just lift up our feet. This is where we start to pick up. This is where, because of obstacles or things in our way, we lift up our foot, and we're looking for new direction and looking for new things. And so even now, and I want to share it in the context of a lockdown, because here we are in a lockdown, and we're about to pivot. But we can pivot because we've talked for a couple weeks about we got a very firm foundation. We examined our foundation. John Wooden said, when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. It's too late. We could come out of, you know, this pandemic and go, wow, what an opportunity. You know, it's too late. You got to be ready for the opportunity. And we're planning, we're, we're laying foundations, we're laying lines of, uh, and tracks of opportunity right now because we're going to embrace a significant move of God because that's what's happened. I'm telling you, things are going to get better and better, gooder and gooder. There's going to be a breakout of God's glory that's going to cause harvest to erupt. So we want to get ready for that, right? So pivot, it's a fixed point supporting something which turns or balances the unchangeable in relationship to the changeable. Now, God doesn't change, but he said, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And right now, he's doing a new thing. We can, we can be bold in this season because we know we're firmly planted on the unchangeable realities of God's nature and who he is, and all of his promises are yes and amen. 1 Corinthians 16, 9, here's the apostle Paul. I love this. He says, for a great and effective door has opened to me. I mean, there's a great effectual door is open to me, but look what it says, and there are many adversaries. I can't remember any time in my life where a door opened for me that God opened for me. He said, that's a great effectual door. But when I started to move towards it and even move through it, there were obstacles and there were adversaries. You know, there's going to be, it says in this life, you're going to have tribulations. You're going to go through things, but fear not. I've overcome the world. So we're ready to engage his purpose right now. We expect difficulties. We expect adversaries. We're not shaken in any of these things because we know if God before us, who can be against this? And you know what? God is for us in a big, big way. So look at this. That's a picture. You can see that. We showed it on the early show, but that's a building we're in negotiation with right now to, to, to secure the space there. And we're looking at that. We haven't sealed the deal yet, but it's one of the things we're looking at. We're working with an architect. We're putting together plans on how to shape that building, how to, how to set up the place properly so we can use it the most effectively for ministry. So I want you to be praying for us because we're moving. We are moving on. We're doing something in this season. We're preparing for an explosion of God's purpose. This isn't a time to pull back and say, oh no. This is a time to move forward and say, oh wow, look what the Lord's doing. Victor Frankel. And here's a guy who was in a lockdown. Here's a guy who was, you know, in, in Nazi concentration camps and difficult places in his life. But in that place in his life, he said this. Here's, here's how he, well, here's what he wrote in a time of difficulty. And going through these things, consider what you're writing right now. What is it? Because you're going to look back on this time. You're going to look back just like we look back on events like this and we wonder how did people cope? What did they do? You're going to look back on this. People are going to write stories about what industry did, what people did. There's going to be champions of industry and of areas of life and 
places where people go, wow, you did that in a pandemic? There's gonna be great things that come out of this, but it's because people had a proper perspective, a proper lens in this season. Viktor Frankl said everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of, not, but not but one thing, everything can be taken except one thing, the last of the human freedoms, which is to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. He said, you know, no matter what's happening to me or what's going around me, I get to choose how I, how I see it, how I approach it, what I'm going to do with it, and I get to choose my own way no matter what's going on, and you get to choose your own way. I mean, David, in the Bible, I love the Bible. It's written for us to see Jesus, to see his nature, to see the purpose of God. And the Old Testament, so many great stories. The New Testament says it was written for us to learn things, to see how God moves, how he acts. But David did some cave time. He did some cave time. In Psalm 142, the title of that psalm, in the New King James Version, you'll see a title to the psalm, and the title was, A Contemplation of David. I mean, what are you contemplating right now in the middle of your cave experience, in the middle of what may seem like the most frustrating experience in your life? What are you contemplating? Here's what it says, David, a contemplation of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. A prayer when he was in the cave. You know, David, first of all, cried out to God. He said, oh, God, you got to help me, but I love it. At the end of the matter, here's what it is. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. I tell you, I'm coming out of this. There is an after this, and we're going to come out of this in a really large spot because we're preparing right now for a wild, incredible breakout because God's going to bring us out, and he's going to deal bountifully with us. Can I get an amen? man. That's David's cave experience. Now Jonah, here's another guy. He had a lockdown. Jonah's an interesting guy. Jonah wrote this story about Jonah. He was pretty open about his own experience. I think it's pretty incredible, really, that Jonah wrote this about himself. He was willing to be very vulnerable with us. So here's Jonah. He's a rebellious prophet, a prophet who heard the word of the Lord to go to Nineveh to go minister to a people that the people of Israel did not like. They were vicious. They were cruel. They had attacked them several times. They were the meanest people on the earth. Now think about what you would consider the most despised group in your world, people you would not want to go to minister to. I don't want to go be a missionary to them. That's what Jonah was supposed to do. That's what God told Jonah to do. He said, go to the people that annoy you the most. Go to the people that you despise. Go to the people that have caused you tons of grief in your life. Go to the people that have caused you and your people all kinds of pain. Go to those people and to those people I want you to minister. So Jonah said, yay, that's really great. No, Jonah jumped on a ship and he went on vacation. He jumped on a ship and it says he went from the presence of the Lord. He left the presence of God and he left and he went on a trip to Tarshish. So, but Jonah got up and he went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. See, if God's calling you to something uncomfortable, even something awkward, and you decide, you know what, I got options and I'd rather not do that. You know, I'm going to choose my option. I'm going to choose my own way. And you ignore God's voice to you. You're running the other way. It says you are running away from the presence of God. Then God. Now, here's what happens. They're on this boat. It's not like, you know, because he was disobedient, God rocked the boat. There's a storm. Sin causes storms. Sin has its own punishment. And he's running away from God. But here he is. You know, in the middle of his running from God, there's a nasty storm. Everybody's terrified. But where's Jonah? He's asleep. He's at total rest. 
There are sometimes you can be at total rest in your disobedience. Isn't that bizarre? You can be total at rest and ignoring what God wants you to do. So he's totally asleep at the bottom of the boat. Then they find him. They shake him and say, what are you doing? And he goes, wow, they've been throwing stuff off the boat, trying to lighten the boat, trying to save themselves. And then he says, ah, oh, this might even be about me. And so they said, well, let's cast lots. So they cast lots. The lots fell on Jonah, and they tossed him overboard. So you might say, oh, that's horrible. It's not really. It's really not horrible. He got tossed overboard, and he landed in a condominium totally prepared for God to deal with his negative attitude. Yeah, condominium. I, I know it was a great fish. It was a, a great sea monster. It was something. I don't know. But God, instead of him drowning and losing his life, God swallowed him up in a submarine condo called a great fish. And here he could contemplate. Here he could think. Here he could consider, what am I doing? Where am I? I mean, how did I get here? Here he could consider. And you begin to see in chapter two, he starts to pray and he starts to contemplate and he starts to say, what's going on? God assigned a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights. Yeah, that had to be gross. Can you imagine a fish's belly, all those gastric acids and things going on and in the midst of you know the fish trying to die just Jonah. Jonah's praying and calling out to God. Wow, this is an inner. Jonah wrote this story about himself. Chapter two. See, Jonah turned a corner. Jonah considered God. He cried out to God, and he really changed his mind. He realized, he says this, he says, but I'm worshiping you. In the middle of this seafood condo, he is saying, I worshiped you. I mean, in the place of a lockdown, in the place of a difficulty, in the place where you're going, why is this happening to me? You don't realize that that fish is not judgment. That fish is the grace of God. And in that place, he gets a revelation. God, you are good. God, you are wonderful. I won't forfeit the grace that could be mine. And then he says, but I'm worshiping you, God. I'm calling out in thanksgiving. I'll do what I promised to do. Salvation belongs to you. If you want to save a wretched people who I think aren't worthy of your salvation. What is that to me? And what is that to you? What is that to you if God is drawing people that you don't think are worthy? Thank God he drew me. I don't think I was worthy, but he thought I was. And you know, when God's sending us to nations, he's sending us to, to groups of people, he's sending us to parts of our culture that we might think, I don't want to minister to that. I don't like them. They're not, you know, like me this way, that way. It could be you got a racial issue that needs to get dealt with. It could be you got a socioeconomic detail that needs to be dealt with. It could be a lot of things that need to be dealt with. Maybe they're not my political party. I don't like them, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Salvation belongs to God. And when he figured that out, then God spoke to the fish and he got evicted from his underwater condo. I love this. You know, imagine being on the beach that day with your family. Hey, mom, throw me the ball. Woo, and I was, whoop. here comes a big fish. <clears throat> Excuse me, pardon me. <clears throat> Excuse me, pardon me. But literally, it says the fish vomited Jonah on the seashore. Boom. He vomits Jonah on the sea, sir. Jonah then, what's he do? He gets in the game, he goes to Nineveh, and he starts to preach. And here's a guy who did not like Nineveh. He didn't care about Nineveh. But he went and preached to Nineveh. He says, God, seen all your sin, 
Sin's awful. There's judgment on sin. So God's going to judge you people. It's a terrible day. Corner to corner to corner, he goes and he preaches. But here's what happens. All the people hear the word of the Lord and they turn to God. They all repent of their sin. They all change their heart and their mind and they look to God and they cry out for mercy. So here's, here's Jonah. Jonah, after the city cries out for mercy and God saves the whole city, God sends grace, God blesses them and he brings peace in a horrible situation. Here's Jonah. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy. I'm reading from the message paraphrase. So, but he says, I knew, here's what I knew. You know, you know why? Do you know why I didn't want to go to Nineveh? You know why? Because I knew you're a good God. I knew that these people that I can't stand, if I go share good news with them, if I go share and turn their hearts back to you, I know that when I preach, you're not going to judge them. You're going to save them. You know, that is what annoys me about you. I knew that you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love and ready to drop at the drop of a hat. You're going to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. And here's what he says. So God, if you're not going to kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. Jonah is writing this story. Jonah is, is being very open with us. He's being self-deprecating. Jonah wrote this story about his adventure of disobedience and restoration and recovery. Thank God for the fish. Thank God. Then he goes, sits up on a hill. You know, a, a, a leaf comes over his head, gives him nice shade. Then the leaf withers, and he's mad that the leaf withers. And God says, you're upset about the leaf, but you weren't upset that hundreds of thousands of people would have died if I didn't show mercy. You know what God is? Look what it says. God is sheer grace and mercy. He's not easily angered. God has a plan, not for punishment, but God's plan is for forgiveness. Shocking to me. Thank God Jonah wrote this because we can read this and we can realize sometimes we need to change our hearts. We need to enlighten new information. We need to realign how we approach a lot of things, how you approach others. I mean, right now in this lockdown is a really good time to push back in your own heart. It's a good time to consider. It's a good time to reflect. It's a good time to contemplate what's going on in my heart. This pressure of this pandemic, what is it exposed in me? What is it exposed in me? Are there areas that I need to deal with? Are there, are there groups of people that, uh, that I have issues with? Are there things in my heart? Is there, is there unforgiveness? Is there bitterness? Is there things in me that I haven't dealt with? We're ready to step into something incredible. We're ready to go into something just wild and incredible and fantastic. But you know what? Why not use this moment right now to push back and ask yourself, what am I writing right now? David wrote a song of praise in a cave. Jonah wrote a song of thanksgiving in the belly of a whale. What are you writing right now in this lockdown? What are you saying about your future? What are you saying about the people around you? What are you saying about your circumstances? Because you're going to look back. Years from now, you're going to look back and say, remember during the pandemic? Remember? Do you remember that? Do you remember during the pandemic the, with Impact Church that we decided to sell the building, that we decided to go bigger, that we decided to start looking for properties all over southwestern Ontario because we believed there was going to be a revival, uh, just an incredible outpouring of the goodness and grace of God. Hey, I got to move on because you know what? Daniel had a lockdown. Daniel had a lockdown. I mean, Daniel was a really good guy, and, and in the end of his life, he served several different kingdoms. As a young man, he got taken into captivity. He was literally emasculated, and he was put in the service of several kingdoms. But what I love about Daniel, no matter what the changes were in the kingdoms, Daniel always rose to the top. Daniel always became a significant leader. Didn't matter who was in charge, Daniel became a significant leader in every nation. 
Different nations, different leaders, different empires. But in this one empire now, they're trying to trick Daniel because uh, they tell the king, king, don't let anybody serve any other god. Don't let anybody pray to anything except you for several days and make an edict. I mean, make a, a bold public declaration that nobody should pray to another god. Well, that's what they did. But you know, Daniel, just like he usually did, he opened his windows and three times a day he prayed. And he was seen and they knew he would be seen. So they wanted to trap Daniel. So... Here's what happened. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and they cast him into a lion's den. See, Daniel said, I, you know, I love you, king, bless you. I mean, I appreciate you and I'm serving you, but I'm serving God first and foremost. So I'm going to continue to pray like I've always prayed. And so sure enough, the king realized, oh my goodness, they did this to entrap my friend. But he couldn't change his mind. You can't do it. Law of the Medes and Persians. If you said it, you got to do it. So he took Daniel and Daniel got thrown in a lion's den. So he got cast in a lion's den. But here's the king. The king spoke to Daniel. He said, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. I mean, here's the king who had to do this. It was his word that put Daniel where he was. Here's the king who did this. He had a relationship with Daniel. He says, Daniel, I know that your God will deliver you. Isn't that amazing? You know, even in a time like this, even in a time of captivity, even in a time where there's strange governments and strange things in place, you know what? God is not moved and you shouldn't be moved because no matter what happens in the context of the shifting things in our culture and our world, God says, I am God and I change not. Therefore, in that culture, I can rise up. I can pick up my feet. I can pivot whenever I need to because I've got the mind and the heart of God. So here it is. He gets thrown in the lion's den. And listen, it says, also his sleep went from him. The king went back to his silk sheets. He laid down and he got no sleep at all because he was worried about Daniel. He's worried about him. And then when it was morning, the king arose very early and he went, he made haste. He ran to the den of the lions. And when he got there, he said, oh, Daniel, Daniel, has your, sir, has your God delivered you? And Daniel turned his problem into a pillow. He turned his problem into a pillow because he said, God's going to see me through this. No matter what is roaring in your face, no matter what is trying to intimidate you, you got to know when you're called of God and his hand is on you and his purpose is around you. God doesn't change. He never fails. His character and nature are absolutely the same. No matter what's roaring in your face, God will shut the mouth of every intimidating thing so that you can stand in any day or any circumstance and you know that God will deliver you. And here's what Daniel said, here's what Daniel said to the king who threw him in the pit. Here's what Daniel said, oh king, live forever. I don't know about you, but I'd be going, dude, you threw me in here. You suck. They should throw you in right now. I hope the lions eat you, you bum. That would have been me. I'm still in my fish belly experience, still working some stuff out, still got some attitudes that I own and I should control and I should change. But you know what? Here he is. I love Daniel. I love his attitude. Oh king, live forever. You know, he might have been serving in a, a, a foreign land, in a pagan concept, people who worshiped other gods and other values or beliefs. But Daniel said, O king, live forever. He said, my God sent his angel and he shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before God. You're innocent before God. You stand in Jesus Christ's righteousness alone. I mean, you are wrapped in his righteousness, but he also didn't just say that I, I wrap you in righteousness. He gave you and he imputed into you his righteousness. You are flooded. You are filled with the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It says, and also I, king, I have done no wrong before you. I have done no wrong before you. You see, 
David said that too. He said, I've seen good times. I've seen bad times. I mean, I've seen all kinds of terrible times, but I've never seen the righteous begging bread because God watches over the righteous. He really does. And you are the righteous of God in Christ, not because of your behavior, but because of your faith, because of your belief in what Jesus did for you and in the finished work of the cross. So God sent his angel and he took care of me. Now here's what happened. Here's what happened. And this was later in Daniel's life. Here's what happened. The king said, peace to you, abundant peace. And I decree that Daniel's God shall be worshiped and feared in all parts of my kingdom. He is the living God, world without end. His kingdom never falls. So, you know, you go through these difficult things, you embrace these lockdowns, you guard your attitude, you honor God in the midst of all of these things. And I'm telling you, we are going to see the mountain of the Lord's house established as the greatest house. We're going to see influence from the church. We're going to see the kingdom of God. And it's because of our love. It's because of our attitude. It's because of our, our, how we handle these times of oppression, these times of lockdown. How you handle these things has a great deal of determining where we're going to be in the future. But you see, Daniel, he, he trusted God. He, wherever the intimidation was coming from, he wasn't shaken. And he stood strong and firm in his faith. And then what happens when you do that? A whole nation is turned to seeking your God. Do you think that could happen today? I mean, that happened back then. These are nice Bible stories, Pastor. These are cute little lockdowns in the scripture. Are you kidding? This is historic. This is where somebody, our God, somebody who believed and trusted our God. And what would happen if we trusted God? What would happen if we, we kept a good attitude? What would happen if what we're writing today is honoring and worshiping and glorifying God? What if we did that and then other people observe and other people look on and they say, you know what? Your God is God. No matter who's plotting against you, no matter who's plotting anywhere, you know what? Nothing will ever change the fact that our God is a great God. And from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, his name is worthy to be praised. And he is a great God, a good God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and his plans will prevail and nothing will shake it. Don't fret. Don't be anxious. Don't get all wigged out about things. Stand firm in your conviction. And people are watching. And when they see the love and the grace and the manifestation of the goodness of God, he'll be glorified. He'll be honored and many will turn and give their hearts and lives to him. I believe that. I really believe that. And we're about to pivot. We're about to do something. We're about to make more room because there's earnest, earnest need right now for a strong message of the goodness and the grace and the unmerited wonderful favor and mercy of God. And we want to make that bold. We want to make that declaration everywhere we go. Paul had a lockdown. The apostle Paul had a lockdown. You know, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and half of his writings were written while he was in lockdown. Half of what he wrote was while he was in lockdown. You read his books today. 2,000 years later, we're reading these books. We're preaching out of these books. We're drawing principles from these books. And Paul wrote these books when he was in a lockdown. I mean, man. I mean, you know what? What are we going to read 10 years from now about your lockdown? What are we going to read? What did you say? Is it going to be worthy of repeating what you said now? because people are going to look back. This is going to be a moment that people look back. It's a historical time. It's never been like this before. But what are you writing in this season? Well, let's look at what Paul wrote. You ready? Here's just a little bit. Paul wrote, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. <laughs> That's what he wrote. He said, again, I'll say it. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Let your gentleness be known to all men. It says, the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer, supplication, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God. 
I mean, here he is in a lockdown, chained between soldiers. And, you know, he, a lot of his own followers are despising him. And Timothy had to write to Timothy and say, don't despise my chains. A lot of people said, Paul, his ministry, look where he is. He's in jail. What a loser. I mean, who gets locked up when you're, you're preaching the power of God, but look at you, you're in lockdown. Uh, don't matter what you might see right now. You might think it's a lockdown. It ain't a lockdown. We're in a charging port, a super duper charging port. We're getting just geared up. We're getting charged up. We're going to come out of this bursting and the abundant love, grace, and favor of God's going to be all over it. Can I get an amen? I tell you, this preaching the cameras is a bit weird, but I'm, I'm doing my best. Can I get an amen? Thank you for that. And you, Henry Redicott, please. Give me two. Give me two. Come on. A couple of Holy Ghost push-ups. Woo! Woo! Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. The peace of God, which passes understanding. I don't understand why I got peace right now. You see, Paul, locked up, knew that through this lockdown, through these chains, I'm going to be able to preach to more people. I'm going to be able to share my goodness in more areas. And God's going to use the lockdown to fulfill his purpose. Wow. You know what? When you understand that, you understand that you have peace. The peace that passes understanding. I don't understand why I got the peace I do. It's peace from above. It's the peace of God. It'll guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, here's what you should be thinking about in a lockdown. You ready? Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report. If there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, ponder, saturate, constantly reflect on the good stuff. Anything that is of virtue and is praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these things do. And the God of peace will be with you. He'll be with you. Also, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He also greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Paul wrote a lot of amazing stuff in lockdown, and we're reading it 2,000 years later, and it's good stuff because he had the right approach. He had the right attitude. He understood that no matter what's going on around me, I'm going to embrace what God's doing in this season, and I'm going to milk it for all it's worth, and I'm ready because he's bringing us out in a glorious and a victorious and a supernatural, abundantly blessed. We're going to see harvest. We're going to see harvest. We're going to see harvest like you've never seen before. Never seen before. It's going to be glorious. Get your running shoes on. It's time to go. Caleb. I mean, Caleb endured the wilderness. I mean, Caleb, I mean, what's amazing is they get to the land. They, they do a two-week journey to the land. And here's what God promised. We're ready to go in. God, God says to Moses, send in 12 spies. Go take a look. See what's there. And they all came back. And they all came back and said, the fruit's amazing. The land's amazing. Unbelievable. It's flowing with milk and honey. It is such an amazing land. I've never seen anything like it. What God promised us is so amazing. All 12 people said it is so amazing. But then 10 of them said, but, but. There's some big people there. There's some big walled cities there. There's, there's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be battle after battle. I don't know. I tell you, as much as it's really, really good, I don't know if it's worth it because I don't think we can beat these people. And you know what? Listen, look, I got, I got something here. Negativity attracts drama. Negativity is a magnet for drama. Drama. Some people love drama. I mean, it could be the most beautiful day ever to go. It could always be better. And they could always find like a little tiny cloud in the most beautiful sky. I mean, some people, negativity, it attracts. It draws drama. You see, they took it further. They said, we're like grasshoppers to them. They said, you know what? The land is going to open up and swallow us. I mean, they took it to whole new heights of, oh, no. You know, but here's Caleb. Caleb quieted the people. 
Bill, stop it. Oh, what are you doing? I can't believe you're saying this. Stop with the negative stuff. It's an amazing land. Stop it. He quieted the people before Moses. He said, let us go up at once and possess the land, for we are well able to overcome it. He said, this land is God gave it to us. It's ours. These people that are there, God's going to clear them out. We're going to possess this. I mean, we can do it. Don't throw this negative report around. But the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. It's got so bad, pastor, out there, I don't know. I mean, it's looking like it's hopeless. I can't believe you believe there's a good ending to this because I think the only good thing is God burn it all. I mean, a negative attitude attracts drama. You know, God's going to return to a glorious church. He's going to return to a church that's powerful, mighty, with incredible influence on the earth. He's going to come back to a people who know how to manifest his love, his goodness, and his grace. A people who know how to, how to engage some of the most awkward, difficult situations you've ever seen. And you'll see things turn around that you thought, I don't even want to engage that. But you're going to, and you're going to see transformation. Because that's who we are, transforming lives to impact their world. That's what we do. And we're going to do a whole lot of it. And it's going to accelerate right before us. We are well able to do this. We can do it. But the man who'd gone with him said, no, negativity attracts drama. Just turn around at your home and look around the room. Is that you? Are you that? We got to have that smiley face attitude. All things are good. Amen. Everything's good. Everything is working for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. It's all good. Joshua, here it is, 40 years. Caleb had to walk around the wilderness with his family for 40 years. God told him that, Caleb, don't worry about it. You're going to see it. You're going to possess it. But sadly, you're going to have to spend 40 years in a lockdown, in a wilderness with these miserable, unfaithful people. But hang in there. And you know, here it is. The 40 years are up. They get to go in, and they're moving in. They're possessing the land now. And Caleb comes to Joshua, and he says, I am as strong as I ever was. God promised me that land back then, and he said, I'm going to see it right now. And you know, while we were in the wilderness, I was pumping weights. I was working out. I was teaching my kids that I keep telling you, don't you believe all the nonsense? We're going to go. We're going to possess it. We're going to destroy our enemies, and we're going to see God's glory fill this place he's provided for us. It's so amazing. Don't listen to these people. Don't worry about it, because I tell you, we're going to possess what God promised me. And then when it was time, he said, I'm yet as strong this day as I ever was. I'm as strong the day Moses sent me. Yeah, just as my strength was then, it's strong right now for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. And the mountain he asked for was the mountain of the Anakim, the Anakites, the giants that they were all freaked out about, the giants they were all afraid of. Jo Caleb said, you know where the giants are? The people who creeped all these guys out? I want that place. Send me where the giants are. Send me to the most difficult situation. Send me to the most difficult circumstances. Send me where the giants are because I want to manifest the power of God and I want to possess the land that he's promised me. Oh, mercy. I'm preaching to a camera. It's so awesome. Come on, camera. Say something. Jump up and down. I tell you, for both going out and coming in, give me this mountain which the Lord spoke on that day. And he possessed it. Caleb laid hold of it. He had a different spirit. He had a different orientation. He was a person of faith. And next week, we're going to talk about faith. Because we got a, a big vision. 
We really do. We see London full of the glory of God. We see southwestern Ontario flooded with a revelation of the goodness of God. We see Impact Church popping up all over southwestern Ontario. We see a network of Impact Churches popping up all over Canada and even making global alignments with churches that are embracing the Impact message right now. And I'm telling you, you're going to see it. It's going to accelerate. And no negativity now. That brings drama. But you know what? Encourage one another. Spur one another on with the words, with the promises. Let's believe God's called us for great things. Can I get an amen over there? Thank you. Thank you. All right. Habakkuk 2, 2 to 3. And then God answered. and He said, write this. Write what you see. Write what you see. Write what you see. This is a difficult season for Habakkuk. He said, we've heard your promises. We've seen you do great things. But what are you going to do now? What are you going to do in our day? And he told Habakkuk, I'm going to blow your mind. And he said, you know what? It's going to happen by faith. The just, those who see it, are going to do it. They're going to see it because of faith. But you know what? First of all, you got to write it down. Faith isn't just, I got faith. No, you have faith in something. There's revelation that gets poured into your heart. A revelation of a preferred future. Something that God wants you to tackle. Just like Caleb, God promised me that land. We want to go where the giants are. We want to go where the difficult is. We want to go in a time where everybody else is saying, whoa, it's scary out there. We want to say, what a great opportunity for God to show up. What a great opportunity to manifest kindness where there's bitterness and bickering. What a great place to show good instead of evil. What a good place to respond to people that are being nasty with the kindness of God. Send us, call us now, send us out in the place where the giants are because we're ready to do exploits for God. Amen? Habakkuk says, write it down. Write down what you see. You know, if you write down your plans, if you think about your plans, that's nice. But if you write them down, you're 50% more likely to achieve them. But if you write them down and you talk to somebody else about them, it's almost 80% more likely that you're going to realize it. So we've been talking about it. We've been telling our friends about it. We've been writing it down. We've been preparing as a people for what God wants to do in us and through us. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. <laughs> I love that. Don't you like that? See, because we're going to run. This thing, you, you got to put it in big bold letters because I tell you, the vision is going to happen quick. It's going to run. It will not tarry. It'll come. So I mean, put it in big letters because when you're running, you want to keep that vision in front of you so you know we're about a great thing for God. And you want to have that before you so you can run. The vision message, it's a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming and it can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. And if it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on the way. It will come right on time. <laughs> okay, I just got to stop because the chairs are, are moving in the building. I got the chairs are moving to the altar right now. Things are shifting in the room. Oh my goodness, I got to move a God right here. Wow. I tell you, what's in your heart? What are you writing right now? Well, what is it you're sharing? What are you speaking? Tell you, God wants to fill your heart with hope right now. He wants to fill your heart with purpose right now. He wants you to know that this is the greatest time ever, and I'm going to use you to manifest my love and grace. In a season where people are pulling back, and they got a, a, a bad ending, it's just going to be a bad ending to all this. It's going to be a good ending. It's going to be a glorious ending, because the next thing to happen is the Feast of Tabernacles. It's a time of harvest. It's a time of breakthrough. It's a time of miracles. It's a time of accelerated angelic angelic operations, a time of accelerated angelic assistance. It's a time where the church is going to advance powerfully and the gates of hell will not be able to withstand our forceful advance. And it's good, good, good. And it's baptized in incredible love. Are you ready for a transition of a lifetime? Are you? Are you ready for the transition of a lifetime? What are you writing about your future? What are you writing with? What are you writing with? I mean, are you writing with careful and cautious or courage? 
Are you writing with problems and panic or peace? Are you writing with fear and frustration or faith? What's in your hand? What's in your hand right now? Is it bickering and hatred and frustration and disappointment? Or is it courage and peace and faith? Come on. We're going to talk about faith next week. We're going to talk about releasing faith and taking that faith pen and writing that preferred future that God's pouring in our heart. But right now in this lockdown, we're preparing. We're publishing our book on our values. We're, we're publishing a book in a lockdown. We're, we're preparing. We're laying down tracks. We're laying foundations. We're laying things down because God is going to bless us bountifully in this season. He's going to visit us in a great, great big way because God loves this city. The billions of people on this planet, he loves every single one. And we should take them personally. Not one of them will go to a lost eternity because we're going to share with them the love of a wonderful, good, and gracious God. Yeah, it's time to pivot. It's time to pick up our foot now. It's time to say to whatever obstacle, yeah, out of my way. We're going to pivot. We're going to turn. The, the lions of intimidation, be quiet. Now you're feeling locked down. You're feeling you're in a place of difficulty. Don't fear. Don't be intimidated. You know, no matter what's going on. If you, you know what? If, if you need a Jonah experience right now, if you need to think, Lord, wow, I didn't realize it, but here I am. It's just tumultuous all around me, nasty time, and thank you for providing this belly of a whale for me to reflect on what's really important in life, what's really important to me. Cause me to reflect and push back right now on the things that have distracted me and caused disruption in my life, and I've lost my focus on you and who you are, and I've let other things creep in, but you know what? I'm turning my face towards you. I'm turning my heart towards you. I will worship you, and you're going to get projected out of that situation into the purpose of God, and we're going to see cities transformed. We're going we're to see nations transformed. We're going to see us possess a preferred future in Jesus' precious name. So think about it. Think about it right now. Push back. Think about it. Really reflect now. Press down in your spirit. Say, Lord, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me right now? I hear your voice. Thank you. Thank you that you never, ever give up on me. And thank you that your word over me is yes and amen. Thank you that all your promises and those things you've spoken over me, this is not, I'm not going to be that negative person who brings in the drama. I'm going to be that person full of positive faith and purpose who manifests your goodness and grace. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Hey, maybe you're watching, you just checked in, you know, and you're going, man, I, yeah, I'd like to have a better attitude. You know what? There's something that happens when you accept Jesus. I love what, what Jonah said. Jonah said, man, you're, you're not a God who wants to judge. I mean, you, you turn the corner quick. You're a God of sheer grace and mercy. You're a God who always comes to a place of giving forgiveness freely. Here's the truth. You're forgiven, you're healed, and you're free. Just say yes to that. Say yes to that. Because you're forgiven, healed, and free. Say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I receive all that you did on my behalf. I'm not going to try and do any of this on my own. I'm going to just, I'm just going to lean into you right now. I'm going to say, I trust you. I place all my faith and my confidence in you. And I receive from you everything I need for life and godliness. Thank you for restoring me to my heavenly father. Thank you for now and for always, I am a child of God. Listen, if some of that negative Nancy stuff is on you, and I'm not picking on Nancy's, all right? But listen, if that Jonah thing and some of that points to you, be open. You know what? It was hard to get Jonah's attention. He was asleep in his disobedience. He was asleep in a really bad attitude. <sighs> he was sleeping off running from God. 
Sometimes people are total rest with their negativity, total rest with the fact that I don't want God to do that. Well, he wants to do it. And you know what? Thank God that he's committed. What he called in your life, what he spoke in your life, he's going to bring it to pass. So lay down the things that have flooded your head and filled your head. Lay down the bitterness, the rage, the anger, the frustration, and let him. Turn your heart towards him. Fulfill your vows. Fulfill your purpose. God's going to put you back in a destiny that's going to change a city, change a nation, change the globe. Can you get amen? So folks, thank you. Thank you for being with us today. I love you guys deeply. This for me, trust me, I got to stir myself up. Preaching to a camera is not a really great experience for me. But you know what? I'm going to see past it because we're about something bigger. I'm not going to let being in a room here by myself with two people, you know, running the TriCaster and the media stuff, the three of us in this room, and I'm doing this because there's something greater that we're attached to and connected to. It's important that we do this, and we do it with confidence. So look, I need to let you go, but I want you to know in a big, big way, we love you. Cheryl and I love you. We're crazy about you guys. We love that you've knit your hearts together with us and the vision that God's given us here at Impact Church. And uh, staff here, I mean, they're here to serve you. They love you. We're doing everything we can to serve you. Please stay connected. Please use that old-fashioned thing called a telephone. Call us. Talk to us. We want to reach out to you. We want to minister to you. We want to serve you. And get ready for the wildest transition of your dreams. All right? Bless our folks. Lord, bless the saints at Impact Church. Love them all deeply. Fill them with your love. Fill them with your grace. Fill them with the wonderful knowledge of your kindness and goodness. I pray all of that in the wonderful and the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Bless you guys.